from the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Hood River, Oregon. I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and we are visiting with Michaela Meixner again to talk more about nutrition. And Michaela, first, I just want to say thanks for coming back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be back. I didn't realize there was going to be such a big interest, so I'm glad that I can keep doing these. Well, nutrition is huge. I mean, athletics has been a part of my life for, gosh, uh, 59 years of it. <laughs> and um, something we're going to be talking about is is a part of nutrition that I've really never considered, which is specifically nutrition for recovery. Uh, how does that change? Yeah, um, it's a big topic. And like you mentioned, I think people don't even understand that it can be a topic. So we think about um, how often skiers and snowboarders get injured and the primary ways that we use to recover. And we don't think about nutrition being at the forefront of that recovery process. Uh, But kind of like what we talked about Last time, the nutrition and the diet of ski and snowboard instructors is largely skipping meals throughout the, the day of skiing and riding. And so we, we don't always have a good nutrient bank stored up unless you're, you're actually making a um, nutrition a priority. So when we are thinking about nutrition and recovery, the key thing there is that there's multiple nutrients involved in the recovery process. So if you're lacking one or more of those nutrients in your diet going into it or lacking it in recovery in the period um, after the injury, then that can really slow down your body's ability to recover from whatever injury that is. And the specific nutrients depend on what type of injury it is. So I'm recovering from a surgery right now. I'm home working remotely. And it's funny because when you brought up skipping meals, I mean, I'm really right in the middle of that because I'm working for my clinic, I'm doing podcasts, and I'm sending in voice auditions. I mean, I have a really full day when I'm supposed to be resting. I'm sitting up, you know, in bed with a pillow behind my back, but nutrition has really fallen off my radar, and I get to the end of the day, and I realize I'm not eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I realized I said like during the ski and snowboard day and snowboard instructing, but the reality is we're all busy in the summer too. <laughs> so yeah, it can fall off the map. And, and when you're looking at the priorities for nutrition and recovery, the first one is calories. Your body needs energy to build new tissue and to heal. So if we don't have that bare minimum of hitting your calorie needs, which often increase after injury, then we are essentially slowing down or just not letting our body do it the best that it can because it doesn't have the resources it needs to put in the work to actually heal the tissue and heal the injury site. And again, I'm, I'm looking kind of at the mental side of this right now, and I, I hate just using myself as an example, but I'm going through recovery right now. But it's tough for me too. And, and I think all of us who are very active when we're, when we're down and not able to maintain the exercise schedule that we are used to, I'm really worried about gaining weight. And so an easy way for me to think, well, I'm not going to worry about gaining weight is I'm just not going to eat anything. And it's not a priority because I'm not doing anything. That mental outlook needs to change. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because there is, it's, I mean, for some people, it's not necessarily a fear. It's just like a, a 
that's how you're thinking about calories in, calories out, and you're afraid of what will happen if you overfuel. And the reality is that we are burning energy regardless of if we are active. So your body needs nourishment regardless of your physical activity level. You have a baseline amount of calories that you need um, per day just to, to get around. So you have something called your basal metabolic rate, which is how many calories you burn just to maintain basic body processes like um, digestion, thinking. Um, that doesn't even include movement at all yet. And then we get into just the movement that you have to get up to go to the kitchen, to go to the bathroom. If you're on crutches, you're burning more energy doing those types of things. And then we stack on a little bit extra depending on the injury. So our basal metabolic rate actually goes up um, in the injured state. So you may not be burning as many calories as when you're as active as you were pre-injury, but you're definitely burning more than if you were just sitting around the house pre-injury because your body's using energy to heal that injury site. So we still need nourishment throughout the day, regardless of if we're physically active. And the way to not overdo it, um, there's a couple different ways. The first one I recommend is just falling back on regular nutrient-dense meals. So that looks like eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, a snack in between lunch and dinner typically is recommended for most people. And you want to listen to your hunger and fullness. So learning how to do that can be harder for some people than others. And then you also have certain injuries impacting appetite, like a concussion, for example, or pain medications, all that stuff can impact your appetite. And so you have, you have the idea of listening to hunger and fullness, but also being mindful that those signals might be offline. And if someone is really wanting to fine tune that and make sure they're getting enough calories and not overdoing it or making sure they're getting enough of all the other nutrients, because we've only focused on calories so far. I, that's what I do with people in my one-on-one practice is I do something called spot checking. So we actually determine how much energy you need and we spot check. So I'm not big on tracking every single day, but we do do some tracking to compare what you're getting with what your actual needs are so that we can fill those gaps and make sure that you're recovering as best as possible. Now, are there specific types of foods that are possibly better for different injuries? I mean, you mentioned a head injury or, you know, versus a broken leg or anything like that, which almost sounds like, you know, I'm going to try to, uh, you know, spot fitness my body, which, yeah, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, there's so many nutrients involved in the healing process that if you have a deficiency in pretty much anything for a concussion, for example, <laughs> Uh, because the brain utilizes so many different nutrients that that could slow down the recovery process from a concussion. But for specific injuries like um, like a bone injury, for example, we're looking at making sure that you're not vitamin D deficient when you're getting enough calcium, because those are kind of the two big ones that would impact the healing process. Um, but then we have the calories that we mentioned, and we also have the protein. So if you Um, are looking at your breakfast, lunch, dinner, and that snack that I mentioned. If you're getting a carbohydrate, a protein, and a fat and balancing your meals appropriately with foods that contribute a lot of the vitamins and minerals too, you're pretty, I mean, that's a, that's a good start. Like if you're getting breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, you're probably getting close to your calorie targets. If you're getting uh, like 20 to 30 grams of protein at each one of those meals and you're getting nutrient dense foods, meaning ones that are supplying, um, 
vitamins and minerals. So like whole grains in your carb group, uh, fruit in your carb group, getting nutrient dense proteins like lean meats, fish, beans, and those plant-based proteins. And then in that fat group, aiming for nutrient dense fats like avocados, olive oil, avocado oil, nuts and seeds to really get more than just the, the macros, the macronutrients, carb, protein, fat from that, but getting the vitamins and minerals that come along with that food too. And you're packing as much as you can into those breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, and snacks so that your body has everything it needs. Now you've mentioned breakfast, lunch, and dinner a number of times, and I just want to follow that up. There are, there are kind of traditional foods that we associate with those meals. Are those really necessarily good at the times of day that we tend to eat them? And I, I'm looking at recovery as well with this. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really, I mean, you can have different, like you could have lunch for breakfast if that floats your boat. <laughs> but I feel like like the traditional foods that we eat depends on what foods you're looking at. So things like eggs, toast, bacon, sausage, that typical type of breakfast. Like we can pick and pull pieces out of that that are very nutrient dense. The eggs are going to be super nutrient dense. The the toast, depending on what type you're using, like a whole grain toast is going to be super nutrient dense. Um, the bacon and sausage, like great in moderation. I don't ever pull anything out of anyone's diet completely, but what are we looking at? In your overall eating pattern, are you eating bacon and sausage and other sources of um, less healthy, less nutritious fats all the time? Or is like bacon your thing? You're only putting it in there once in a while. Um, when we look at like time of day that we're eating these things, I don't think it really matters, to be honest, as long as we're balancing things throughout the day. Like you could have eggs at breakfast, lunch or dinner as your protein source on that plate, it doesn't really matter the time of day per se. When you're in an injury recovery state, the primary thing is just making sure you're getting these meals in regularly versus hyper-focusing on, is it perfect? Um, because again, that calorie is like the priority. And then once you have those regular meals, then you can start fine-tuning what's in them. But yeah, if you're, you're having certain breakfast foods for dinner, that's totally fine. We're just kind of focusing on balancing it. The, the plate itself specifically with the carbs, protein, and fat. And kind of to wrap up, what do you think of you know, pre-making meals? If you know you're going to have a procedure done, you know you're going in for something or, you know, if for whatever reason you, you have an injury and you're down immediately, uh, you've got someone maybe at the house who can help you out. Uh, is it good to pre-prepare meals? And if so, is there anything we should be looking at with those to make them especially effective? I think anything that you can do in advance to plan for obstacles that are going to get in your way. For example, you mentioned you're extremely busy. So if prepping meals ahead of time would be an option for you, that's going to help you get those regular meals in. That's awesome. If it's having a point person that's going to help cook and prepare and shop for you ahead of time, that's awesome. So that's part of that. Like, how can we plan for this upcoming injury recovery period and how does nutrition play into that and what can I do to set myself up for success in there, knowing what it's going to be like in the recovery period. And then thinking about what, um, if you were doing that meal prepping process, what that would look like, for example, I, especially in injury recovery state, I always recommend starting with the protein when you're thinking about that plate that I mentioned, the carbs, protein, um, and fat piece, thinking about what you're going to have for your protein at each meal and then building around that because 
if we want to focus on um, building balanced plates, it makes it easy to start with one of the food groups on that plate and build around it. And just from the standpoint of how we culturally structure meals, we typically think about protein as the center of the plate. Um, so when we're thinking about balance, we're actually aiming for a quarter of the plate as protein. And then we do a quarter of the plate as grains and then think about half the plate or sorry, a quarter of the plate as grains or other starches. So that's that carbohydrate piece. And then half the plate as color. So fruits and vegetables to get all of those other nutrients in. And then kind of fat comes in as a garnish. So maybe we can post a picture of this plate with the, with the podcast episode because I think that would be super helpful for people. But yeah, anything you can do to plan for those obstacles in advance is really going to set you up for success so that you don't run into just not eating because you weren't prepared. Anything you want to add in conclusion? I hope that you recover fast and, and good and get back out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, Michaela Meixner, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us on First Chair. Really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. From the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Hood River, Oregon, I'm George Thomas.